What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 67% British, 33% Irish, but absolutely still 100% Giants. It's Shane who can't make it this time, so it's Dan, Kev and producer Craig. Back with you to bring up, bring you our end of season award ceremony after voting closed on Monday lunchtime. Uh, plus we'll also bring you the latest news in what has been the first week of the Big Blue off season. Uh, that's how you did. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be back. Got it to miss uh last couple of weeks. Obviously, things came up last minute, but uh, I know the season is over for us, but uh, there is a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah, it's a reason to be optimistic. There's a lot going down, a lot of rumours, a lot of moving and shaking that will happen over the next few weeks on pretty much everything for the Giants outside of, you know, the high ups. We've got you know, offensive and defensive coordinators having interviews and players galore that we don't know what's happening with yet. So it's going to be an interesting few months. Yeah, man, even though the season has come to an end, um, it doesn't really stop until you get to sort of May, June time when essentially nothing's going on then. So that's the sort of real downtime in the season. So Yeah, exactly that. I mean, like, although the season might be over football-wise, um, I was talking to someone the other day and it's like, you know, that part of football, actual playing football is over, but there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff coming up in the next few months that will, you know, keep the teams busy, keep us busy as well, and um, lots for us to talk about on the pod. Yeah, man, I mean, you think it's, what, beginning of Feb- well, end of January now, beginning of February, so we've got, what, three months to the draft? And yes, that, sir. that three months is going to be jam-packed, full of fun, um, because there's going to be every week there's going to be something new going on. So, yeah, there's lots to come. Uh, as I said at the start, coming up shortly will be our end of season award ceremony, where we will announce the winners in each of the eight categories. Uh, but we're going to start off by rounding up the latest giant news. Uh, and coach Brian Dable got two Coach of the Year accolades. Uh, he's nominated for AP NFL Coach of the Year as well. Um, he was named the 2022 NFL Coach of the Year by the Pro Football Writers Association of America. Good job, Coach. And he was cited as the NFC Coach of the Year in the 101 Awards. I mean, I'd never heard of it, but it's an award for him. So great. Uh, and he was, you know, like I said, announced as one of the finalists, one of the three finalists, is it, in the um, Coach of the Year Awards in um, Associated Press? Is it three or four? I can't remember. Uh, no, I can't remember. It's he's Fine. he's he's against um Siriani and a couple of others, isn't he? I think. Yeah, he's going to win. Hands down, he's going to win. I mean, I, I think so. I think he should do as well. I mean, the other coaches have had good seasons, and um, you know they put their names in the hat, and you know they've they've done remarkable things. But uh, you can't contest with anything that Dable's done this season. It's been phenomenal. No, I mean, considering last year, you know, we won four games last year. Um. And 
it's just a complete 180 and we end of the season with 9-7-1 record and in the playoffs in his first year which nobody expected so yeah fantastic year for him and I think he fully deserves that nomination for the uh, AP coach of the year that's for sure uh, another player that got nominated for an AP Associated Press and the NFL Honours Award um, Saquon Barkley uh, for comeback player of the year Kev tell us about that yeah, so um, he's one of three players that's nominated along with um, ex-Giants backup uh, quarterback Geno Smith, um, who had a fantastic season in Seattle, um, and San Francisco's 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey. Um, it was the first time since 2018, uh, his Rookie of the Year season. Um, the fifth year, uh, he uh, didn't miss a game due to injury, so yeah, for the first time since his Rookie Year. Um, he finished with a career high of 295 carries, over 1,300 yards. Um, that's fourth highest in the um, NFL this year. Uh, scored 10 touchdowns, um, just one less than his rookie year. Um, caught 57 passes, 338 yards. I mean, he just had an all-round great season. Uh, maybe not as good in the – maybe not used as much, sorry, in the passing game um, as, as, as many people thought he would, but he just had a phenomenal year. And, you know, a healthy Saquon Barkley can do wonders for this team, as we've said. Um I am hearing rumours that the award will go to Geno Smith, which which really got my blood boiling the other day when I heard it. I was like, it's, it's so it's, it is because I mean, like, so in my opinion, the comeback player of the year, you kind of have to be a good player to begin with, yeah. and then have some adversity, and then come back from that. I mean, and that's exactly what um, uh, Jaquan Barkley's done this season. I mean, Geno Smith for having such a good season that he had. I wouldn't say it was excellent. I said I think it's a good season, and um, for someone who's basically been a bit of a backup and a bit of a journeyman, and like you know, come into the league. So, but he, he never was really good. If that makes sense, like he never came into the league, and even when he was drafted by the Jets in the second round back back when, um, he was never. You know, I don't think you you'd ever class him as a as a good player to be able to say he came back to be that player. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think if if uh, if he is named comeback player of the year, I think it would be uh, a travesty against our boy Saquon because I think he's proven what this award is perfect for the, what this award means. You know, he's come in rookie season, fantastic, one of the best running backs in the league. Suffered adversary through multiple injuries over multiple seasons, and a lot of people thought he was done. He didn't have the Jets anymore. Um, you know, his injuries were, he wouldn't be able to to continue playing at a high level for multiple multiple games or over a course of a whole season. And he's come back and he's proved um, with a little bit of management that he can be a, a superstar in this league again. Yeah, man, he absolutely deserves to win that award. Um, like I said, Geno Smith, he's had nothing to come back from because he's not been good. He's been mediocre at best. Uh, McCaffrey, yeah, he's been good for... He's been, he obviously started the season in, in Carolina and then moved over to San Francisco in the trade. Yeah, he's been good, but... He's not sort of, it's only sort of really the last few weeks that he's sort of stood out a bit more. Those first sort of four, five, six weeks in San Francisco, he's very, he's very hot and cold. Uh, he, he wasn't the player that everyone expected him to be at first, but they sort of last, the last stretch of games that the, that the Niners had this season, that's when he sort of came good and, and, and played really well. But the, the standout there is, is Barkley. I, I don't understand why. Smith is being touted as as the winner of that because he's not come back from anything. He's just surprised people. Maybe he should be the surprise player of the year. That's exactly what I was going to say. If there's an award for like, you know, 
playing above and beyond or, you know, a surprise uh, player of the year, like someone who exceeded expectations. If there was an award for that, then 100%, he, he would be nailed on for that. But to, to say he's the comeback player of the year, um, yeah, I just don't agree with. Comeback player of the year is such a horrible word as well. I think it should be <laughs> it should be reserved for players who have come back from something more than just being crap, if that makes sense. Like Nick Gates. Let's talk about that now because we're on the subject of, of comeback player of the year. Nick Gates should be comeback, comeback player of the year because it's no different than what Alex Smith did to come back. It's the exact same kind of injury, same sort of recovery timescale and everything like that. The comeback player of the year should be reserved for players who should never have seen a football pitch again and they've come back from something. So, for example, Damar Hamlin. If Damar Hamlin comes back to play in the NFL again, he he's should come back, be... He's comeback player of the year next year. He's come, yeah, he, he's he comeback player of the year. And that is how the award should be seen. If they need to create another one called surprising player of the year who shocks everybody, then do that. But the comeback player of the year should be something that's not voted for on a wide basis. It should be given to a player who has overcome adversity that is way beyond footballing acumen. But then you think if they created the surprising player of the year or whatever like that, surely that would be Daniel Jones this year, right? Well, maybe. <laughs> okay. Hey, um, sure. I mean, yeah. you have the argument. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that, that's a diff- you know they, that should be a different topic. We think last year is what Joe Burrow and obviously came back from uh, ACL injury in his rookie season, led the Bengals to the Super Bowl. I mean, what more can you want? That's come back from a, a serious, serious knee injury and lead your team all the way to the Super Bowl, to the big game. And like I said, the year before that, Alex Smith, nobody ever expected Alex Smith to pull on a uniform and, and play, a, play a game again after his um, broken leg. And that's what he does. Geno Smith? No, sorry. That doesn't sit well with me. Um, and lastly, our first round draft position was confirmed this week as well. Uh, after going nine seven one in regular season, like I said earlier, uh, we now own the twenty fifth pick in the first round of the draft. Um, we won't have long before the pre- the pre draft process kicks off. We've got the East West Shrine Bowl uh, coming up in two days' time, uh, and then the Senior Bowl as well at the week over the weekend in Alabama. And then the combine starts at the end of February, so uh, it's uh, it's all going to get rocking very very soon. Uh, the super, yes, the Super Bowl is coming up in just over a week's time, but that's not the end of it by any means. And we've also signed fourteen players to reserve future deals. Craig's going to go through them. Yeah, there's a fair old whack here. Uh, so we've defensive back Terrell Burgess, defensive tackle Vernon Butler, running back Deshaun Corbin, offensive tackle Corey Cunningham, defensive back Zion Gilbert, offensive tackle Devery Hamilton, offensive lineman Solomon Kindley, wide receiver Jaden Mickens, wide receiver Dre Miller, who, Kev, correct me if I'm wrong, was a tight end, not a wide receiver coming out of college. No, he, he was a wide receiver coming out of college, but um, he was played as a tight end H-back um, for us in um, like leading up to all the camps and stuff. Um, and I think he is now transitioning back to being a big-bodied wide receiver. Something we need. So um, we've got tight end Chris Myrick, who we all know. Uh, wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton. Wide receiver 
Mackay Polk, wide receiver, and Daniel Jones's best friend, David Seals, and defensive back Trenton Thompson. Cool. So out of those 14 players then, who stands out for each of you guys? Uh, for me, I, I quite like Zion Gilbert coming back. Uh, you know, we signed him as an undrafted free agent um, last from last year's draft, uh, 2022. Um, he started in the practice squad. He was signed to the active roster in December. Appeared in three games. He played against Washington, Philly and uh, the Colts. Um, and, uh, you know, he had 73 defensive snaps and 28 special team snaps. But I just think, like, you know, he didn't stand out or anything. But he was, he sorry, he... He stood out in the preseason. He looked well. He looked like he fitted in. He looked like definitely one for the future. So I'm really glad. And, and, and he played a couple of good snaps on um, defense in the games he played. Um, and he stood out a little bit. So like, although he wasn't electric like some of the other um, play, uh, uh, rookies that played, um, I do think that you know he could be one for developing. And he's a tall lad. He's always a tall, big corner. Um, and again, I'm just glad to see him back on our practice squad and not someone else's because I think he could have a future. Yeah, I think for me, it's probably as, as I kind of, you know, said said during the rundown there. Chris Mayarek, um, signed by the Dolphins in 2019 as an undrafted free agent, uh, signed with our practice squad uh, not at the beginning of this past season, but the season before. Played in 16 games this this last year, 300 offensive snaps, 212 special team snaps. Um, Seven receptions for 65 yards. Had a touchdown in the first game of the season, I believe, against the Titans. Um, Bellinger, he's pretty much going to have that tight end number number one nailed down. Uh, and I, I do think that Yarek could be a, a good little kind of just a, just a compliment to him. You know, a good backup tight end, probably not going to cost a lot. Um, and obviously, is is tested. He, he played, you know, he played almost every single game this last season. So. Yeah, and I think um, I think we've only got Bellinger signed to the active roster at the moment. So the Marek, you know, would be the second one, I believe, currently. Yeah, I mean, he he came in and did a job when he needed to, and he, he did the job fairly well, I suppose. Um, I like Marek. Uh, you know, I've got nothing. No, I mean, obviously, he's a he's a backup tight end, um, but I, I like him as a player. He he, he made some good plays and. For me, like the two that stand out for me, David Sills. I mean, how many chances is this guy going to get? <laughs> really, he's a good practice player. <laughs> I mean, great, but how many? How many chances is this guy going to get? Is there going to be this season the will he won't he make the roster? You know? Um, but I think the one that really does stand out for me is um, Vernon Butler. I think. Obviously, he came to the team last late last year and appeared in one game against the uh, not Redskins, not football team, Commanders. That's the one. Um, <laughs> um, but what intrigues me that he he's a former first round pick. So surely there's some talent there that can be coached and nurtured, and Wink Martindale can. Work his magic with him because Wink's not going anywhere. Like you know, is he? He's not going anywhere, guys. So surely Wink can work his magic and and, and do his thing. Obviously, he's a, he's D, he's D lineman, so he's he's. I think he played nose tackle in place of uh, sexy Dexy in that game against Washington. Um, but he's a big man. 
made two tackles, made two tackles in that game. Well, four total and two two solo tackles in that game. Um, and he, he just intrigues me. I think the yeah. fact that he's a uh, former first round pick from what only six years ago. Well, seven years ago now. So he's in year seven, going to be coming into year eight in the league. I think he could potentially add depth on that defensive line that desperately needs it. Need. Exactly. So, I mean, he will be 29 when the season starts again. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do need depth um, at that um, interior defensive line position. Yeah, exactly. We need that depth. So then we can then maybe. You know, throw throw some different um, different looks in there, and and yeah. um, big cat sort of out on almost out on the edge, or Dexter out on the edge, or something like that, to to really sort of throw the offense off. And you know, but yeah, he he intrigues me. I like Ver, like Vernon Butler. He's the one that sort of stands out for me, apart from David Sills. Um, lastly, in uh, in non team related news, um, I'm sure everyone's aware now. The uh, the lineup for Super Bowl Fifty Seven is now set. And congratulations go to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who overcame Joe Burrow and his Bengals in the AFC title game on Sunday. And we are very much looking forward to them lifting the Lombardi Trophy on the 12th of February. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was watching the game and I was watching, like, um, was it the um, Chiefs up against the Bengals? And I was kind of like, uh, I was kind of rooting for the Bengals, but... Part of me, I, I was watching, and, and on the field, I saw Kadarius Tony and Eli Apple, and I was like, I don't want either of these two to be making <laughs> to be making the Super Bowl. Well, Tony got injured, didn't he? So he got in, he got injured the game. Shock horror! He got injured yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, we're all we're all rooting for Kansas City because one hundred percent. We won't talk about the other team. I mean, the, yeah. the thing is, the thing is, is that they Purdy obviously got battered, didn't he? And the second that he went out, you knew it was over. Like there was nothing, there was nothing they were going to be able to do. The second that Purdy couldn't come back in and make a throw, that game was dead and buried. I turned it off. I couldn't watch it. Like I, I just, it pains me enough after what happened the week before. I just couldn't watch it. Yeah, and then for. For for an unknown reason, they then decide in the centre of New York City, oh. the the most iconic building in the world, not just in the not just in North America, the most iconic building in the world. They go and light it up green for the Philadelphia fucking Eagles. Are you actually kidding me? I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like a parody account. I thought I it, thought it like... was at first and then realised it was actually posted by the Empire State Building account. And I was just like, what are you doing? All the could comments you, in and interns get in the morning. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine the Liberty Bell or, or the Rocky statue in Philadelphia being lit up blue if the Giants... Oh, my God. Game? It wouldn't happen. It'd be war. So um, I was reading an article on the Big Blue View because uh, they had Eli on doing um, a radio interview with them. And I thought Eli's quote, that they, they asked Eli about the whole Empire State Building. And Eli said, I'm all, for, I'm all for good sportsmanship and congratulating teams when they do well. But I don't know about going that far out of your way to support a division rivalry. I thought that was a little extreme. It's a tough one to swallow last night. I can see why so many New Yorkers were upset about it. 100%. Oh, yeah. 
Julian Love said he closed his curtains, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Crazy. like the, the, the New York Philadelphia rival is real. It's not just it's not just football. It's it's all sports. There's a there's a huge bitter rivalry between the two cities. So what 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 were they even thinking of? I mean, I know like it's the Empire State Building. They want to celebrate, you know. Oh, come on, come on! Disappointed Empire State Building. Very disappointed. I used to like you. I've been up you. That sounds weird. I used to like you. <laughs> I used to like you. Now, not too sure. Top of the rocks, better. Anyway, moving on before it gets any any worse. Uh, talking of trophies, like you know, uh, ours may not be shiny or prestigious as the Lombardi. Um, well, we don't actually have any trophies either. Um, but it's time to announce our uh, end of season awards from uh, for 2022. Uh, voting was open over the weekend on our Twitter page, uh, and in total, we racked up over 1,100 votes across all of the eight categories combined unbelievable number uh, so thank you to all of our followers and listeners for getting involved in voting we really really appreciate you getting you taking the time to click on your winner um before we announce the winners any stats that connect with any player coming up over the next section are regular and postseason stats combined so we don't want to hear any oh no he didn't pass this many yards in the regular season no no it's combined regular and postseason because we played two games in the postseason as well and also it inflates the numbers and makes it look better <laughs> <laughs> so the anticipation is palpable um are you ready listeners are you guys ready oh yeah born ready well without further ado Welcome to the Big Blue UK and Ireland end of season 2022 awards ceremony. Get here. <laughs> and now, so the first award of the evening uh, is for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, Kev, over to you to announce the winner of this award. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So the winner of this year's Offensive Player of the Year is... Daniel Jones with 37.6% of the votes. The crowd goes wild. Well, <laughs> I mean, Jones had a career high in almost all categories this year. Completed 356 of his 534 attempts at 66.7% for 3,642 yards, 17 touchdowns, and only six interceptions. Um, tied least with uh, Hertz and Brissett. Um he also uh, set personal records with his uh, evolution as a dual-threat quarterback. He rushed for 79 times for 805 yards, seven touchdowns, more than his combined previous three seasons. He only fumbled seven times. I mean, he had – we all know what a season he's had. We've talked about it. Um, he's just elevated his game. I mean, coaching had a lot to do with that. Uh, Saquon and other players stepping up had not to do with that, but I also believe he elevated the players around him this year, um, especially the wide receiving core. And I just wish that Daniel Bellinger as well, who is a little bit of an un unsung hero in my opinion, uh, stayed healthy all through the year because he was turning into a real 
threat, not only safety blanket, but a real threat for Daniel Jones. Um, but yeah, Daniel Jones had a fantastic season and um, sign him up. Please just get the deal done. Uh, don't worry about the numbers. <laughs> Let's just get him signed up long term and then build around him. Once you know you have your quarterback, um, you can build around that. Yeah, man, I think without Bellin, I mean, with Bellinger over the first few weeks of the season, you can really sort of see that relationship building, that that you know, the connection building. And it was so disappointing and so gutting when he got poked in the eye and ended up fracturing his eye socket. And yeah, just horrible, horrible injury. But yeah, I think Bellinger could have been a, a real weapon for the season. It was just a shame he got that injury. Um, incidentally, we had uh, it was 37.6% of the votes. Uh, Barkley was second with 28.8 Andrew Thomas third with 23.2 and Isaiah Hodgins fourth with 10.4% uh, so Daniel Jones offensive player of the year uh, next up we have the other side of the ball uh, defensive player of the year and I mean essentially it was a landslide wasn't it um, Leonard Williams, Dory Jackson Julian Love all had fantastic seasons um, but the one player that stood out that everybody loves and or everybody's grown to love, um, Dexter, sexy Dexy Lawrence, um, all right, the big blue UK and Ireland 2022 defensive player of the year, uh, fourth year in the league, he's turned into an absolute game wrecker. And for Aaron Rodgers to say, watch out for 97, um, just proves that. Yeah, he's a big time player in this league now. Uh, he was rewarded with second. He was second team All Pro. Um, had seventy pressures, twenty six quarterback hits, which were five more than his previous three seasons combined. Uh, he also had thirty five hurries, nine sacks, two forced fumbles, and fifty three tackles as as well. So, unbelievable season by Dexter Lawrence, uh, and he fully deserving of the uh, Defensive Player of the Year title. He won with 92.1% of the votes. So, yeah, absolute landslide. Uh, he, he was in the... Um, he just grew and developed and flyered into a fantastic player. Like, I mean, the traits were all there. Um, I think um, the slight change of position helped a lot. Uh, Wake Martindale's scheme helped a lot. But also, um, I just think, you know, he was more locked in this year. So I think it comes with the coaching staff. Uh, he bought into the coaching a bit more this year um, and he was locked in and, and you know, he showed why he uh, went 17 overall in um, first round. I don't know if anyone else has seen the um, the mic'd up of the year thing that the Giants put out. But if there's one thing that stands out more than anything, other than the fact that Sterling Shepard is the best cheerleader you will ever have in your life. It's bring the- him back, bring him back. Dexter Lawrence had fun this year. He had fun. He enjoyed doing what he did. The banter that he had. I mean, he was torching people, not only on the field, but like verbally. Like he he was dominating people mentally. And I think that was a something that he maybe added to his game where he knew that it was all coming together and he started chipping a bit more. Um, and obviously, uh, I think pre-coin toss or during the coin toss in the Eagles game, uh, I think Brandon Graham was chipping at him a little bit and uh, Kelsey said that he turned around to Graham and had a go at him because he said, look, I'm the one going up against this monster and I don't need you riling him up. Yeah, man. Yeah. But the best centre in the league to say say that, you know, it it proves just how 
monstrous the man is. I mean, and, and full credit to him as well, because um, Big Cat obviously previously was sort of the, the big name on that D-line. Um, and, you know, Williams has caught, was in his shadow quite a lot this year um, because it, he's just gone from this level and he's just gone through the, you know, through the roof and uh, he's really shown what type of player he can be. And so I'm glad so... we picked up our fifth year option. Oh, mate, absolutely. Well, and... I think we should work on a deal, though. I would, I would actually would like to see him play on the fifth year, obviously, but but have a contract locked in place for him this off season would be good. Yeah, mate, get him signed up, get him sorted. Um, right, third category of the evening, then um, rookie of the year. Over to Craig for this one. Yeah, another another landslide, really, and, and to be expected. So the winner of Rookie of the Year 2022 is Mr. Kayvon Thibodeau, Mr. Snow Angel himself. <laughs> um, I mean, Daniel Bellinger came in second with 29.3%. Uh, Wondell Robinson, 0.7%. Tamon Fox, 0%. I mean, I, I feel for you, Tamon, but... I mean, it was between him and Belton for that last place, I think. And, and you know, both of them had relatively good seasons for what you would expect their output to be based on where they were drafted. But, I mean, Thibodeau did everything. He, he missed the first two games of the season, obviously, after that. Still dodgy tackle in pre-season that still rolls me up a little bit. But um, he showed exactly why we were so keen on him pre-draft, um, finished the season with 45 pressures, 29 hurries, 12 quarterback hits, four sacks, two forced fumbles, including a touchdown. You know, although his sack total wasn't as high as it could have been, he was a constant threat. Um, maybe next season he might get some holding calls that might, you know, <laughs> maybe 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 swing the tie a little bit, but he was a pressure monster. And if you look at the amount of pressures that he got versus... You know, Aiden Hutchinson, Trevon Walker, um, and and many others. He was up there with one of the highest pass rush win rates in in the rookie class this last year. So I think it's fully deserved. And anybody pre draft who said that he had character issues or didn't have a motor, I think of uh, been made to eat humble pie. Though he did pick a little bit of a fight with the Forty Niners uh, this past uh, past weekend. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, interestingly, like, yeah, he's, he's just he's come into the team and he's he's just added that extra something to our defense that we that we were missing, um, and he's just the the amount of, the amount of holding calls that weren't called against him this year. I mean, we kind of talked about it in a couple of weeks ago, but unbelievable. Um, and he's just just the amount of effort he's made um, throughout the season. You know the fact that he was just that, like you said, that constant pressure on the quarterback, on the opposing quarterback. Uh, he's fully deserving of the uh, of the award. But going going back a few, well, going back a few years, going back into sort of the uh, mid nineties when Michael Strahan came into the league. Now we all know Michael Strahan is a a you know Giants legend. In his first full season as a giant, uh, he only had four and a half sacks. 
you know, there wasn't his rookie year. His rookie year, he didn't play the full season. In his, but in his first full year, playing in all games, he only had four and a half sacks. Fast forward, what, five, six, seven years after that, sets an NFL record with 22 and a half sacks <laughs> in the season. Just becomes an, an absolute dominant force in the league. The, the potential for Kayvon Thibodeau to be not just good, not just great, but be one of the all-time greats on, on Giants on Giants defensive teams, you know, Giants defense. The potential is there, absolutely, and I think he's the the sky's the limit with him. Yeah, um, I completely agree with what you both said. I think um, just to put, uh, tag on to one of Craig's points, he made a great point earlier about the holding calls. Obviously, in the rookie season, you you don't get them. That's like the rite of passage, as they say sometimes with that. But I'll tell you what, if next year they'll be looking out for it, they better be. And then they start seeing a lot of holding calls and, and um, tackles get called for these holding calls. You'll see they'll stop holding and you'll see him get a lot more pressure where uh, I, I can see his sack totals go up. Not stupid amounts, but he will definitely get more sacks this year. I'm calling it now double digit, double digit sacks next year. Nice. For number five, double digit sacks. Um, Kev, I mean, this isn't the nicest award of the evening. Um, but it's over to you to announce the uh, the winner of the disappointing player of the year. <laughs> right, so the winner, the winner, if you can call them that, <laughs> um, the disappointing Lisa? player of the year. I won't stay too long on this. It's Kenny. It's Kenny Galladay. Over fifty one percent of the votes. Um, he was kind of run close by Kadarius Tony, um, but Galladay does take this one. Um, I don't even want to speak about that other fella to be honest um, but despite, despite having the largest cap hit of all the wide receivers um, it was definitely a rough season for him this year um, I mean he had 17 targets 6 catches, 2 drops 81 yards and that one career touchdown throughout the whole season um, his confidence is gone um, I think like he just doesn't get the separation anymore from that um, he hasn't come back from that injury well not as well as we were all hoping and he just has no explosiveness at all. And the the, the, the coaches just didn't trust him to get separation and allow Daniel Jones to throw him the ball. They weren't going to throw him contested catches this season. This season wasn't about going for 50-50 balls. This season was about playing safe and getting Daniel Jones into rhythm and getting scheming people open for Daniel to throw to them. Kenny Galladay was never getting open this year. Um, I mean... Um, he will definitely go down as, as as one of the one of the biggest bus free agents, um, and uh, go down as one of Gettleman's biggest mistakes as well. And um, I think this off season, um, we will definitely um, be saying goodbye to him. As yeah, I do think he'll be a cap casualty this year. Yeah, I think uh, Galladay's gone. It's just when. Um... At the moment, he stands to earn $21.4 million in 2023. Um, if we get rid of him before the 1st of June, it frees up $6.7 million. So 14.7 against the dead cap. Post 1st of June, yes, we uh, it creates more in cap room this year, but it means there will be more against the dead cap next year. So you take the hit this year and move on, surely? I think so. I think so. I mean, like, um, 
Yeah, he just you know six point seven seven is just just a. It's weird. It's, people don't like dead cap, which I get. Uh, but I'm on the other side of it, where how much does it free up, and it frees up six point seven by not having him on the team. Great, exactly. So, nearly seven yeah. million dollars. And to be honest, that's what? How many draft picks? It's three or four, uh, four or five, like exactly easily. But also, like that, 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 that money could be um, a solid free agent for you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So yeah, Kenny Galladay, your time in blue is uh, is numbered. It's uh, it's coming to an end. Uh, I mean, even maybe the time in the time of the league is coming to an end because is any team want going to want to take a punt on you at this stage? I think you'll, I think you'll get that minimum somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Philadelphia, <laughs> maybe. Watch them out. Just to prove your point, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty then. Um, next award for is for underrated player of the year. Uh, this was a very, very, very close um, for battle. Um, Nick, Nick McLeod was the outsider, unfortunately, um, receiving just three point eight percent of the votes. Um, but there was three percent total separating um, third with first, and the winner of the underrated player of the year of twenty twenty two is Richie James Junior. And fully deserving of the award. I mean, Moreau and um, Jihad Ward would have also been fully deserving of the, the award. Um, but Richie James, I think he um, he shone uh, this year. I think he had a fantastic year. Well, say fantastic year. I think he had a relatively good year. Um, and sort of most sort of predictions preseason would have seen him as special teams and maybe sort of a a depth chart piece, but he was uh, he was a lot more finished with career highs in receptions with 57, receiving yards with 569, and four times as many touchdowns as Kenny Golliday. So yeah, he got four four scores and Kenny Golliday got one. Per touchdown, how much how much is that? Not a lot. <laughs> but yeah. Um obviously what what the disappointment with Richie James this year was obviously the two uh, fumbles in the loss to Seattle. Um, that really was his only sort of downside this year. I think if he if he hadn't have fumbled the ball twice in that game, I think he would have earned a lot more plaudits than he has done. Uh, that was just sort of the, the only black mark against his name this year. But yeah, Richard James Jr., congratulations. Underrated player of the year. Yeah, I think uh, looking at the stats when I was looking into Richie James... I think he only had three drops on the season, which is quite impressive considering he really did quickly build up a rapport with Daniel Jones. And his catch percentage was it was really, really good. Um, every time the sort of ball came near him, he was able to hold in the catch. And he had a few key first downs for us this past year. I mean, yeah, like you said, two fumbles didn't help. But outside of that, he was a solid, if not spectacular, punt returner. You know, he did kind of what you need most people to do, just catch it, get a couple of yards. That's, you know, not everybody's going to break off a touchdown every single time they catch the ball from a punt. It's just not how it works. So I think outside of that, he's a, you know, he's probably a deserving winner there. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone's Devin Hester, right? 
Oh, what a player he was. Oh, mate. Unbel- just the, the return for the touchdown in the Super Bowl to start the game. What? Yeah, no, Richie James, yeah, I think the one of the, one of the things that really, I mean, just bugs me more than anything. Sort your hair out, mate. <laughs> sort your hair out, Richie. Come on. So true. It just looks like a spider sat on top of his head. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on to our next award is Game of the Year. Now, this was a tough category because there were some cracking games nominated. Uh, Craig, over to you. Yeah, uh, there was the Colts blowout that was nominated. Unfortunately, that came bottom 6.8%. Uh, the week one win against the Titans, which uh, culminated in a missed field goal, got 11%. Uh, running our winner close was the Week 5 Packers in London game. No surprise, considering where we are based and come from, uh, that that finished with ninety. Uh, sorry, with 39%. However, the winner, and deserved winner, really, um, you can arguably say that it was our most complete performance of, of the year in what was probably the biggest game of the year at the time, which was our wildcard win against the Vikings. Uh, we walked into US Bank Stadium for the second time this season, walked away with, you know, the first Giants playoff win in 11 years, played the Vikings at their own game, beating them by a single score, being the only team to beat them by a single score in the entire season and postseason. Um, and there were standout performances across the board, really, but there was one man that was head and shoulders in that game, and that was DJ. You know, three 301 yards, two touchdowns, 78 yards on with his legs, set the NFL record for over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns and over 70 yards rushing. It, it was a cracking game. And just to top it all off, we got to watch it at the Hippodrome, us three together with a our little contingent at the front. And uh, <laughs> it was banging. It was banging. I mean, it, it did surprise me a little bit, the winner of this award, because of where we're based. Because the fact we're in the UK um, and Ireland, of course. But also because, like, you know, it was a good win and we came back from 10 points down against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The, the reigning league MVP in Aaron Rodgers, I might add. Yeah, I was quite, I was, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, it, it, the Vikings game was obviously huge and the win was unbelievable. Um before the start of the season, if you'd said to me, we'll win a playoff game this year, I would have laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and said, you, you, you're stupid, you're mental. But yeah, we went, we went out there and we proved everyone wrong and we won a playoff game this year. So yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that won the, won the award, but yeah, the Packers game, I, I, I thought would edge it out. Alrighty. Is it two more to go? Yeah, two more to go. Um, so the next award of the night is the play of the year. Kev, over to you for this one. Play of the year. Oh, this was unbelievable. I remember seeing this live and it just got me off my seat. And I was like, he's come. This is him. You know, he's here now. This is the player that we drafted fifth overall. And we watched the draft in the war room, in the man cave. And that was Kayvon Thibodeau's sack, fumble, touchdown against the Commanders. I mean, what was the Commanders backed up in their own 10-yard line? It's a must-win game. Everything's on the line. 
and Thibodeau hits the trifecta, sacking Heineke, recovering the ball, scooping it up, and to cross over that one-yard line, to cross over and get that touchdown and an important score that really sort of set up the rest of that game. I mean, the play cannot be understated. It was huge for our defence to give the offence a bit of confidence to go out there and really propel them to victory. It was just... It, we've had a lot of down, down years as Giants fans, right? As you boys know. And there's... I don't think there's been a moment like that where I've looked at and I've gone, that's special. I mean, the Odell catch, obviously, and some other stuff. But I think seeing that play, I just felt that things are turning for us. It was um, it was eerily, eerily similar to a play two weeks before against the same team and the same quarterback where Thibodeau smashed Heineke and somehow he kept hold of the ball. It was in overtime, if I, if I remember correctly, and he smashed him. And we all thought, "Well, that's it. He's, he, you know, we're gonna we're gonna win this. He's gonna fumble that." And somehow he must have had glue or something on his hands. <laughs> he just he kept hold of it. But just how eerily similar. I'd really like to see those two plays next to each other and just kind of see just how close they were to each other because it was almost the same area of the field. It was everything. So. I mean, there's there's no more deserving winner. I, I said a couple of weeks ago um, on the Believe podcast that um, Bob Papa said to me, you know, what was my standout moment of the season so far? And I said it was that because of the fact that it it really did change the season. And it, like you said, Kev, it galvanised the team and propelled them to that victory. The coming of Kayvon. <laughs> yeah, man. Huge. I mean, you, you, like you said, you, you can't understate how massive that play was for us at the time. Because if we'd have lost that game to Washington, we're all but done and it were a chance to play our football. Um, so, huge play. Absolutely massive. I think I think probably one of the, you know, one of the other nominees in that play with the, uh, the two-point conversion with the Titans... I think that was also a huge play in the fact that that sort of set the tone for the season in week one. Um, and I think that that you know came, that came in second, and again that sort of deserving of coming in second in the uh, in the award. But yeah, just that trifecta, that that Thibodeau trifecta, just sent shivers down your spine. And the amount of times I've sort of seen it replayed, and every time it just makes me smile, and just. Oh, yeah. Thibodeau, well done, mate. Um, lastly, then, um, the final award of the evening, uh, the most valuable giant. Uh, this award goes to the man who you voted as the player that, without, we wouldn't have had, success, had the success this year that we did. Uh, the man who made the biggest impact on this team. Uh, the Big Blue UK and Ireland most valuable giant 2022. Goes to drum roll, please. Number ninety-seven, sexy Dexy Dexter Lawrence. That ninety-seven's a problem. He's a he's a big ass problem. Um, what more can we say about him that we didn't say earlier? Um, but we really just we can't stress how dominant he really is. 
Um, his impact on the line just didn't wave, regardless who was next to him. And the sack on Sam Ellinger in the game against the Colts just typified his play, really. Just absolutely ran over the uh, the lineman. What's his name? Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. Yeah, just steamrolled over him. Absolutely steamrolled over him. And just, yeah, what more can you say about him? I love the dance. The dance is amazing. Everything about him is amazing. He's my next jersey, number 97. Nice. Um, to be fair, the vote was pretty close. Uh, Andrew Thomas, so Lawrence won it with 29.8%. Andrew Thomas came in second with 27.5%. So there's only 2% in it. Uh, and then Dan Jones was third with 26.7%. So the vote was very, very even and very close. Um, but Sexy Dexy wins again. I'm actually quite happy that Andrew Thomas um, was only, you know, just over 2% behind Dexter Lawrence because I think he plays in a position that's unsung. And the fact that he was recognised by over 25% of the 131 people that voted for this award, I think is massive. And it just proves that he, what he did didn't go unnoticed. Um, obviously, it didn't go unnoticed by... Uh, the All-Pro uh, voters either because he, he was named um, second-team All-Pro as well. So I know Thomas hasn't won either of the awards that he was in, but um, I think there's a lot a lot to like there as well. Well, when you look at Andrew Thomas's stats, 1,049 offensive snaps he played in. He committed two penalties. He allowed three sacks. In 1,049 offensive snaps he allowed three sacks and two penalties I mean let's just be honest about it now he's turned into one of the best tackles in the league without a shadow of a doubt without a shadow of a doubt so fair play to you for giving him props actually because like you said the O-line gets no real love I mean you, everyone notices when they're turnstiles and they get turned around and like you know give up pressures and give up sacks but you know you quietly go about your job not letting anyone near the QB and you you know um, you don't really get as much love. Um, other I, positions. I mean, for three years ago, after Andrew Thomas's first year, who'd have ever thought would be sat here talking about him being one of the best uh, left tackles in the league? Nobody would have done uh, because his his rookie year was very poor. But he's just come of age. He's become one of the best tackles in the league, but you know, without a shadow of a doubt. So. Hats off to him. Um, great, another great season. Year five to come. Can I get better, right? I think so. He's hitting his prime. Absolutely, he's hitting his prime. Um, it's just a, he's just a monster, and let's hope Evan Neal can sort of follow in his footsteps and uh, and be the difference on the right hand side of the line as well. Uh, so again, a huge thank you to everyone who voted. Uh, we really, really do appreciate every single one of you clicking on every single one of those awards. Um, it means a hell of a lot to us all. So uh, yeah, a massive thank you to you. Uh, that is all we've got time for this week, though, Giants fans. And as it's Pro Bowl week this weekend, and then the big one next week, uh, Super Bowl 57, we've no interest in the big game apart from the dirty, watching the Dirty Birds lose. So uh We've decided that it's probably a good time to have to have a well-deserved winter break. Uh, so we'll be back 
after the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have been crowned champions of the uh, of the league in twenty twenty two Super Bowl fifty seven champions um, after they've been crowned, and the season comes to a close after that game. Uh, where we'll be back to break down all the latest news and uh, maybe have a guest or two on as well. Who knows? Anything else to add before we go, guys? No, just that, you know, um, all in all, it was a fantastic season. Let's not lose sight of that, um, even though uh, we didn't do so well in the second round of the playoffs. Um, but, um, yeah, exciting times ahead. I mean, we're going to have, like, uh, re-signings, free agency, draft coverage. We've got so much coming up. Um, so, this is, uh, basically, yeah, stick with this. And there's going to be plenty more to come. Yeah, as Kev said, this season really can't be understated. Um, we've all supported the Giants for varying amount of time, including Shane. And, I mean, for both me and Shane, it's probably one of the best seasons that we've seen, for Shane, definitely. Um, for you guys, obviously, you, you've reveled in the glory a bit more. So we can't under- overstate how uh, how well we did this year. The future's bright. Uh, Shane and Dable, we trust and you know we'll be back in two weeks' time for the new season. The future's very bright, and the future's very blue. Yeah, man. Um, lots to look forward to in twenty twenty three. Um, you know, we we said we said it last week about how how good a season we had this year, and in like you said, in Shane and in Dable, we trust because these guys have something good going. Um, and it's going into year two of that project, and it, it it's exciting going into year two of that project. You know, there's so much excitement around the team going into this off season now. So just to see, just to see the players that come in, the players that go, you know, that sort of carousel, and you know, the wheel carries on, you know, just moves on, and we sort of get into the off season deeper and deeper as we go, and it just, yeah, there's so much more to come. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest updates. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Big Blue UK in Ireland. You can also find us on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page and also get in touch with us via email at bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Uh, my thanks as ever go to Kev and to Craig for joining me and to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off until next time.